Happy Black History Month. Join the good people here at Trill Spill with Will. Black. Black, black, black. Black on black, black. Yeah. Hey. Okay, black, 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 black on black, black, my thoughts so black, black, black on black, my skin is so black, I'm rocking that black on black is black. Black rims on this black, black wheels in this black, black wheel with this black bitch. Black, so black on black on black on black on black, 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 black on black, black, my thoughts so black, black, black on black, my skin is so black, I'm rocking all black, everything is black. Black rims on this black wheels in this black wheel with this black on black Hi, hello, welcome. We are back for another episode of Trill Spill with Will. My name isn't important, but what is important is the adventure young William has lined up for us this evening. We're in for a treat! This is another installation of the Writer's Block. What is the Writer's Block, you may ask? Well, it's where we celebrate and read some of our favourite black literature. You may hear some of your favourite black authors like Toni Morrison, Nikki Giovanni, James Baldwin, Langston Hughes, and sometimes he even reads some of its own work. I'm not sure which direction will decide to take us this evening. He doesn't tell me much because he's quite the asshole, but I do know that he never disappoints. So, I'll hold you no longer. Go ahead and pour a drink and take a seat. You're tuned into The Writer's Block. Oh, was that him? I don't know. How many fingers did he have? I'm sorry, I couldn't get the binoculars out in time. Look, well, let's not stand on ceremony, mate. Let's start the show. Yo, 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 yo. Welcome to another installation of the Writer's Block. We ain't spun one in a minute. And uh, I decided to go with one of mine for this, uh, this go-round. Just because I was looking at it a few days ago and did some editing. And uh, I, think it, I think you guys will like it. I think you like it. It's called At The Scenes. Uh, quick character background. Got Maxwell Chapman uh, and Tashima Stokely. We have two protagonists. Now, when the story starts, one's up and one is down. Max is down. He's a successful talk show host, author, and relationship coach. But he just moved back to his hometown after the release of his latest book. And it's, it's kind of trash. That's what the word on the street is. Um, his engagement was um, foiled. I'll use that word. Uh, by a cheating fiance. Um, and after his public on-air meltdown during the last episode of his show, he's kind of left in limbo. So he feels like he's failed. So like he, he's, at, he's at rock bottom. He's moving back home. You know, kind of get his bearings back, figure out his next move. You know that. You know that story. But Tashima now, she is a author in her own right. Now, she's a very well put together woman. And like I said, she's up top. She's on top. She's very successful. But she's dissatisfied. She's got a degree. And she runs a popular radio station with her best friend. But, um... She's evolving, and she feels like she's outgrowing the radio station, but feels like she can't tell her friend. So she's, 
you know, she got some things up her sleeve too. You know, she for the last two years, she's been writing her own book. And two years is about how long it's been since Max had been gone. So she also is aware of Max's meltdown and uh, she's got an idea. So things are going to get interesting. Um, If you guys like this, I'll keep doing this. This is just the first episode that I'm giving you guys, but uh, it's a series. Um, But anyway, I'm going to get out of your hair. Episode one of uh, At The Seams. Book one, episode one, scene one. Inside airport jet bridge, moving through airport to baggage claim. As Max arrives at the airport and makes his way to the baggage claim, he throws away a copy of his latest book and mutters to himself as he checks his phone, but he then immediately puts it back into his hoodie pocket. He repeats this act two to three times on his way to the baggage claim, but as he proceeds, we see from his perspective the odd looks and smirks he receives as he makes his way to the elevator. The elevator ride is quick, quiet, and awkward with two beautiful young ladies. Now, they recognize Max from the internet, but they do not talk to him. And he notices them, but he does not acknowledge them. Elevator doors open to the baggage claim and he receives even more strange looks and a couple of laughs as he lackadaisically gets his two bags off the carousel and walks out the automatic sliding doors to meet his taxi driver. The driver is way too excited for Max's taste, but he doesn't say much because he's had a long day and a long flight. Inside the car headed to the destination, driver. So, where we headed tonight, my brother? Oh, 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 shit. You're that nigga from the internet. My girl is not gonna believe this. He laughs, puts his car in gear, and then grabs his phone to begin the text. Man, we've been talking about what happened to you almost all day. Max, sarcastically and irritated. You want the address before you pull off, my brother? driver oh I get it you're probably still upset about how everything went down huh I ain't never seen a breakdown like that bro and I done seen a lot of shit out you bitches ain't shit huh he looks in the rearview mirror and sees Max scowling right into his eyes true you probably don't feel like talking about it way too early my bad What's that address, Jack? Puts down the phone and turns up the talk radio, which just so happens to be rehashing the mediocrity of Max's new book and his public breakdown on his podcast earlier today. But Max isn't listening. Max is pulling out his bag of weed. Max is rolling up and going through his phone. He quickly slips off and begins to ponder just how epic and how public this recent failure has become and he is embarrassed i mean he's more embarrassed than he's been in a very long time 
He opens his inbox to text his best friend, Aria, to let her know that he's on the way to her house. Then he reluctantly goes to the text thread of his ex-fiance, but he pauses as he reads the last few texts again. And without looking up from his phone or the weed, he deletes the entire text thread. Driver. Hey, man, they let you on the plane with that? You can smoke that in here with me, if you want. I smelled it when you pull it out. But, um, damn. You my last fare tonight, so I don't really mind. Max ignores him and continues, he continues to talk, but Max doesn't hear him. His voice fades into the void that has become Max's thoughts. He needs a plan. He needs it now. It needs to be damn good, and it'd be pretty fly if it was sooner than later. He fires up the joinies roll and stares blindly off into the city lights as they blur past. As he passes the joint to the driver, he receives a text. He doesn't open it, just stares at it for a moment, then puts his phone down. He gets the joint back and continues to stare blankly into the abyss. Inside condo living room, low chatter coming from the television. Fading on a glass of wine and the hand that picks it up. Tashima sits in her living room, puzzled. She doubtfully gazes at her phone while she takes an abnormally long sip from her glass of Pinot. She sighs and puts her phone down while she pours another glass. Now, her condo is the personification of the woman she's been the woman she is, and the woman she's seeking to become. Sensuous, risque paintings cover her walls and reflect the sophistication of a woman who is very aware of her intelligence, her sexuality, and herself as a whole. Now the TV's on, but she's not really watching it. She's been busy watching the internet all day and reading her old friend's new book. She feels for Max, but she's more amused and amazed by the contrast between his latest work and his very recent, very public breakdown. Her phone notifies her of a text. Maybe it's Brittany. Hopefully. Eh, it isn't. So, she takes another long sip, but after reading the text and not responding, she lets out another sigh and deletes the entire text thread. She glares at her laptop from across her living room. She picks her phone back up, dials a number, puts it on speaker, and moves her bottle over to the table where her computer is. It goes to voicemail. Hey, hon, give me a call when you get this. Um, I think I might have a solution to our dilemma. Tashima puts her phone on silent, throws it on the couch, turns the TV down, makes a plate from the kitchen, turns the music up, opens her laptop, and takes another long sip from her glass. She looks at the bottle and sighs one last time. Oh, baby, I'm going to need another one of you tonight.
She begins to type, but she doesn't notice that her discarded phone is silently ringing on the couch. Scene three, inside Aria's smoky living room. Aria, did you hear anything I just told you? (laughs) I don't know what to do, Max. This nigga is beyond slow, Max. I mean, you chosen though. You've been together six years and now you claiming it's over because you didn't like the gift that he gave you? I mean, dang, Aria, he tried. Sounds a little presumptuous, but who am I? Carry on. Aria. No, dick. Side eyes Max and snatches the blunt from him. It's the lack of effort he put into the gift. Men, y'all are so fucking irritating. You, I mean, I love him. You know I do. I was even thinking about marrying his dumb ass, but it's like the longer we're together. The further we drift apart, and I know you're gonna say it sounds whack, but it's like Max cuts her off sarcastically. It feels like you don't even know who he is anymore. I know, I know the feeling. He hits the blunt and looks at his phone and frustratingly puts it on the coffee table. Usually when this happens though, it's an easy fix because it's usually just a breakdown somewhere in the communication. When's the last time you guys talked? Not about bills, not about work, not about social media. I mean, when was the last time you really, really appreciated what he's done for you? And vice versa. The last time you told him how complete he makes you feel. Does he even know you didn't like the gift? See, you tell me this kind of shit all the time, but do you tell him, Aria? No. But shut the fuck up, see? Because you always do this. I tell you about how he fucks up, and you flip it back on me like it's my fault, Max. That's because he's not here, and this isn't about him. It's always about you. We just hate to admit it. And his lack of effort isn't your fault. That's not what I'm saying. He hits the blunt and passes it. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I am saying is that maybe the effort for him wasn't getting you the gift at all. He didn't intentionally do this to piss you off. He simply sucks at buying gifts and you're not making it any easier for him. If you feel like he should already know what to get me, unless y'all talked about it prior, that's pretty selfish. Men want to read your minds, but we can't. And we're on two entirely different wavelengths all the time. But I'm sure if you talk to him the way you talk to me, he'd understand and he'd probably adjust. It's going to be up to you, though. Try to dig a little bit deeper. I'm sure he'll reciprocate. Max glances at his phone, but doesn't pick it up. And if he doesn't, I will. You have your answer. Aria, whatever nigga, he ain't you. I've known you since the 90s. Anyway, you hungry? I was about to hit Trav up. He was probably gonna bring something before he gets here. 
Arya looks at Max. Max is looking at his phone. It's going off, but he is not budging. He isn't even really listening to Arya. She knows about the meltdown too and feels a bit bad for her friend. But she never liked his fiance anyway. In a half-cocked attempt at cheering him up, she pours him a glass of Merlot and sits down next to him. Arya. Hell yeah, your little sad ass is hungry. Oh, you thought I wasn't going to bring it up? Man, fuck that girl. She places the glass on the table, nudges it towards him, and takes the roach from him. I don't see how you give such good advice, but then you let something like this itty-bitty shit bother you. Have you even talked to her since the other day? As he takes a sip of wine, Max appraises his response. Advice, huh? That's hardly what he'd call it. He couldn't care any less about her situation right now. And fuck anybody else's situation too, for that matter. He searches for something sarcastic to say, but all he can come up with is, nope, I haven't, Aria. You can talk to me, asshole. You know that I'm Max. When does Trav get off? He gets up off the couch and he roams around the apartment. I'm about to roll up again. You got any papers though? Cause I am not smoking any more of those woods. And that's from the heart. That shit gonna kill you, Aria. Clearly irritated, but attempts to fake it. I don't know. Shouldn't be too much longer though. He said he was just gonna stop by to holler at you. I let him know that you were home, so. We can eat and afterwards we can smoke, so go take a shower and chill. I'll roll up. Max pauses, clearly seeing the irritation in his closest friend's eyes, and he's not sure why. He downed the first glass of Merlot and didn't even notice that he had poured a second one while wandering about. The weed was mixing a little too well at this point. This whole day had been a blur. Maybe Arya was right and the shower was all he needed. Wash off today, get mentally ready because tomorrow was coming faster than he was comfortable to speak about. He looked at his phone one last time and reads the text he received on the ride over from the airport. He replies, but he looks puzzled at what he chose to respond with. The knock at the door ends his stupor and makes him look up and put away his phone. Scene four, back at Tashima's condo. She's getting up from her desk when she hears a knock from the door. Tashima, oh, so this what we doing? No text, no nothing, huh? Dez, nah, B, hush. I called multiple times while I was on my way and you didn't pick up once, but I thought you knew that I was coming. Or did you forget again? He heartily laughs while he gives her a hug. No worries though, I'm here now. What you cook? I'm hungry as a hostage. You and Britt figure out what y'all gonna do yet? Tashima did forget, but she was not about to tell Dez that. Dez didn't need to know. Dez didn't need to know that the reason she forgot was because she was still mulling over the last text she sent. Why hadn't she got a response? Why hasn't she heard from Brittany yet? 
Once she started typing, it temporarily slipped her mind that they were supposed to go over some of the new promo for the station and her new ideas. Tashima. Boy, no. I'm your supervisor, and you stay hungry. Dez glares at her. Yeah, I made some greens and there's some rice in there. Go ahead and serve yourself. You know the drill. So, did you get a chance to go over the email I sent you? What you think? Dez. <sighs> well, I think you're going to have a hard time convincing Britt, but... Seems like a solid enough idea, but do you really think he could pull it off? You set the bar pretty high, fam. How's he doing after the... <laughs> you know, Tashima. Right. Well, if he's who I think he is, I'm more than sure he can do it. But, no, I haven't talked to him in a few days. I texted him earlier, but he hasn't responded. And that kind of bothers me a little bit because I know he was on a flight headed home tonight. We'll see though. Anyway, go ahead and eat. I'm going to get to work. Before Tashima sits back down, she heads back over to the couch and grabs her phone. She sees the missed calls from Dez and apologetically smiles at him as he eats. There are two other missed calls that weren't Dez though. Puzzled but not surprised, she opens her inbox, reads the text, smirks, responds, throws the phone back on the couch, and walks back over to the table. What is America built off of? Violence and entrepreneurship. So if you had to tell another six-year-old like yourself what to look out for, what would you tell them? They would kill you for the right price. Are you a buyer or a seller? A seller. If I gave you a million dollars right now, would you buy candy or a candy store? A candy store. What is the goal to be? Independent. If you lost everything tonight, what you got tomorrow? Intellectual property. And what is intellectual property? They can take your possessions, but they can't take your mind. How do you say group economics in Spanish? Economia de grupo. How do you say barter system? If I gave you something for 500 and you flipped it to the next man for 2000 what is that called? Upselling. Alright, now me as your leader, as your father, the person that's supposed to have your best interest. If I celebrate holidays and Christmas your entire life and you gotta go beg somebody for a job at 18, what did I do? You fail me financially. And I want you to tell me how fast can somebody be a victim of gun violence in America? This fast. Was told to hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. In a place that hears no evil, sees no evil. Where the oppressor sees no color, the investor sees no others. The erection seems so sees no plus illegal. Man, that's just the mo, that's just the evil. We just adjusted that, that's just machismo. I was destined to be mo. Then an apple land next to a tree, bro. Clandestine, colorful G, stuck in the G code, thrust in the street mode. Searching for soul with a stolen identity. Surface low economically. And need a capital in search of a loan And it's a few banking institutions who got the remedy But this is America where credit is for the privilege And profit is not my amenity I'm just here to get popped by the cops Get popular so I can get discredited In a documentary by the enemy While in a homicidal, fratricidal cycle Of wild, constant, hostile energy Looking down the barrel of a rifle While trying to find some inner peace As God is my witness through teary-eyed tyranny Knowledge itself is the caveat 
And the dollar itself is the demigod Listen nigga, this is the Iliad Flip the dollars for wealth until our figures resemble the myriad We are the inventors, we are the lenders, we are the matriarchs Only thing we didn't make was slavery laws And on this specific day, it's the end of the prison sentence This is the period A rich man wrote this with a poor man's focus a sick man quotes this, but the dope man sold this. Looking for a soulmate and a bitch playing goldfish. Proving you got heart doing dirt for the tin man in a quicksand culture. Standing on anything I said like the kickstand open. Feeling like Rembrandt scope to some shit that just Van Gogh get. I am the descendant of the original physical melanin skin man. The highly intelligent pride of the ghetto, the Zinjan. Thropus. The phantom's so clean, you can't see the Lord sit down, she is gorgeous All you see is a steering wheel floating, led by a herd of stampeding horses Checks and balances by the curb Steps to amateurs flying birds Connected annual to a buy and surge Expecting the amateurs to try and merge To try and lessen the blessings But you can never lessen the connection of the indefinite pantamid Orion serves trying words this is category A, definition battered slave of yesterday, recognition by cattle, present picture guy battle sexuality, tight apparel, eye shadow, that's not deep, I'm shallow. Episode 2, Scene 1. Flashback, we're in Tashima's condo. Max and Shima are having brunch while old school hip hop plays softly in the background. They're having a discussion about the future, but in spite their extensive history and a plethora of past disagreements, this discussion is slowly escalating into an argument. It's quite possibly the worst they've ever experienced with each other. Shima, look, I'm not saying no. I'm just saying that I don't know. Max. Wow. I really can't believe this shit. Shima. Oh, what? And you do know? Max. No, Shima. I don't have any proof, but I do know that if I stay here, it's going to drive me crazy. Opportunities like this don't just fall out the sky. And to be completely honest, I could have and probably should have just kept this to myself. But they asked me if I knew anyone and I said yes because I know you can do this. I know this is what you were born to do. I'm not going to stick around here and end up like the rest of these niggas. Going to the same clubs, trying to outdo the same people. I'd rather jump head first in the traffic. I bet if this was that nigga Darius's idea, though, you would have said yes hours ago. Shima. Whoa. Didn't expect that. Reel it in. You know my situation now? Max. Pushes his plate of food away and fires up a joint. I know that he uses you, and you do whatever he tells you to do. Shima. Oh, so we're letting it all hang out now. That's how you really feel? Fam? You ever think that maybe I just want to think it over a little bit before I decide? Nah, 
I'll tell you exactly what this is. You think because your little book is getting a little buzz, very little, I might add, that all of a sudden you got all the answers. Get the hell out of here. You don't know shit, Max. My mama is here. My job is here. My life, Max. Your future is not here, Shima. Look, I know this. I know you told me two years ago that you wanted to use your degree. You told me two years ago you wanted to travel. And two years ago you wanted to start writing your own shit. I even told you two years ago that I'd help you get it published. But yet, here we are. Nothing. But, seems like you can do any and everything for any and everybody else, but not for yourself. You can talk shit to me about Janelle, but I have to constantly listen to you whine. Mm-hmm. Whine about how time is passing you by and how unhappy you are with the nigga that you won't leave. You can run, run behind him or chase the voice switches, but the character stays the same. She, she. Tashima. Tashima blinks, and she's back in her office. That was the last time she actually talked to Max. Scene two. Brittany. Girl, I am so sorry for not hitting you back. Sign these for me, please. Hand Shima some papers. I was so busy this weekend, and I know we were supposed to talk, but I had so much going on. I got a few ideas on how we can take the station to the next level, but Tashima, about that. Right at that moment, an employee bursts into the office while Shima's phone rings, but she doesn't even get a chance at attempting to answer it. Brittany. Oh, and I also heard your boy is in town? What's his name? Uh, Mick? Mac? Anyway, the one who melted down on that air. <laughs> you should try to get him in here on your show. Maybe you can get him to dish a little bit about what happened. Shima. I don't know, B. I feel a little bit trashy about asking him to do that. We haven't spoken since... Well... It's been so long that that seems like a bit much. Besides, I'm not even sure he gives a shit about anything I have to say. He hasn't even hit me up since he's got back in town. He's probably still a little bit mad about how things went down the last time we spoke. Brittany. So, and the way you run through here every day delegating and facilitating these idiots is a delight for me to watch and you mean to tell me that you scared to talk to a nigga you've known almost your entire life you act like you suck the nigga dick or something I just think it would be good for the station if we don't do something soon these motherfuckers keep talking about the buyout and nobody's running me out of my station he could probably help us get the studio popping again just talk to him for me, please. Shima, surprised but a little apprehensive. Okay, okay, stop begging. And you better not ever mention me sucking peen again. You sucked enough for both of us. <laughs> they both laugh. 
Scene 3. Max is waking up and going through his morning routine, which is awkward because this isn't his house. He meanders throughout Aria's condo while brushing his teeth, getting his clothes ready, and responding to emails while smoking. Flashback to brunch with Shima. Hashima. Look, let me tell you something, Mr. I give advice but can't. No, won't apply it to my own life. I don't blame your little dirtbag girlfriend for every time you've disappointed me. It's not fair. Darius has nothing to do with this shit. This shit has to do with you being scared because you don't know if you can do it on your own. You need my help. Let's be more honest, shall we? You're scared. So absolutely terrified to be by yourself that you're staying with a woman that you know is manipulating you. All you do is acquiesce to whatever bullshit she decides to be on that week. You don't even trust her, Max. So excuse me if I don't follow your advice or jump at the chance to watch you continue to be her punching bag. Like I said, I'm going to talk to my man. Matter of fact, how about this? No. Hell to the gnaw. Now roll that shit up and smoke it. We flash back to present day with Max sitting on the couch. He's clearly frustrated. He ashes his joint, pauses, and comes back to reality. I see what you did there, kid. His phone rings. What's good, Jack? No, I called you earlier. You must have been pooping or something. He laughs and he sits down. Well, there you have it. Another successful installation of the writer's block is in the books. That was the first two episodes of At The Seams. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um... (laughs) Shout out to my daughter for her guest voice appearance. She, it's the first of many, first of many. She's so much better than me. Oh my God. But um, be looking out for the secret show tickets. They are on sale um, Saturday, April 16th. Holler at me. Holler at me. Um, otherwise... You guys go ahead and get out of here. I'm not going to bother y'all. I'm not going to, you know, wrap y'all to death. I will say watch who you fuck with and who you don't fuck with. Um, people will, number one, they'll try and keep you in your past, even though you're trying to get better. And people, uh, they get comfortable until you make them uncomfortable. And I'm talking about who you deal with romantically. Doesn't matter your sexual orientation. Just make sure that the person that you're caring about is reciprocating. Because there's a lot of falsification running around. There's a lot of confusion going around because people don't like to communicate. And when they do communicate, you get gaslit. 
you get called names because people are trying to hold you in that old you oh that's bars people are trying to hold you in the mold of the old you so keep your heads to the sky and out of your ass I'm gonna go decompress because it has been a long day for me I uh lost somebody really close to me they're not dead they're just dead to me and uh but I also I also got to spend some very very quality time and much needed quality time with my baby face with my daughter today um so I hope you guys enjoyed this episode if you guys want me to keep doing them I will just give me some feedback let me know And it's not always going to be my works, like she said. It could be any black literature. That's what we do at the Writer's Block. But anyway, y'all have a good one. I'll fuck with y'all later. This was the last episode of Black History Month. I enjoyed it. I hope y'all enjoyed it. Um, We're going to keep doing black things throughout the year because I am a huge believer in celebrating your blackness every day, not just in February. But I did go out of my way to make these episodes extra black. So, y'all have a good one. I love y'all. And I'll fuck with y'all next time. Trill Spiel. We will. <laughs>